The information presented in this podcast is of a general nature and is intended for educational and entertainment purposes. While many of the people here have some form of mental health training, they are not your mental health professional. This podcast is not a replacement for mental or physical care or for the diagnosis of any mental health illness or condition. When like something that you love so much is getting adapted into a movie or a TV show or something yeah. like that. Like yep. I've been waiting for another side tangent, Cowboy Bebop. Yes. Oh, oh my God. Yes. For years and years and years. But Keanu Reeves is not <laughs> going to be in it. And now I don't want to see it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still very excited for that. Um, I'll watch it. But I, the whole entire time I'm going to be like, not Keanu. Not Keanu, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, and thank you for joining us once again for the Guardians MH podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Dr. Goku, and with me tonight is Joe, Nate, Alan, and Matt. If you're joining us for the first time, Guardians MH is a 501c3 nonprofit focused on promoting mental health awareness throughout the gaming community and being a first step in assisting individuals with uh, gathering meaningful resources in a safe and inclusive atmosphere. Our podcast is another way to normalize talking about mental health. It is a fusion between mental health topics and gaming. So tonight we have a very special episode focused on Harry Potter and specifically on Harry Potter therapy. So please welcome two of our guests, uh, Mrs. Dr. Lupo and Dr. Janina Scarlett. How you doing? Hi. Hey. Hi. Hi. Thank you so much for joining uh, the show tonight, uh, Mrs. Dr. Lupo and Janina. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much for having us. It's such a pleasure. Yeah, I'm excited. We will be uh, nerding out on Harry Potter for the entire evening, and I cannot be happier. <laughs> you know what? We already started. As soon as the Zoom <laughs> opened up, it, it literally started into just a geek out session, and it went on for about 20 minutes, and I can't tell you enough. Uh, I'm just crazy excited for tonight and thank you both for coming on and hanging out with us tonight i mean it's such an honor having both of you on and uh miss lupo like i was telling you earlier a lot of us actually met in destiny one doing raids and stuff through destiny but we've also watched ben stream all through destiny one through trials and everything else and just watching the whole family we used to catch your streams also when uh you were also a uh, a host for dad tales podcast Loved it every time you were on with them. And uh, it's just so cool having you on and seeing, you know, all the uh, wonderful things that you guys have been up to over the past couple of years. I love hearing everybody's like origin stories about how they connect to our family. And it's just always it's fun. But I love when I love when it comes from the Destiny community, because like that's family for us. So good to know. One of the things that I also love, too, is. It's always been known that you are a big Harry Potter fan. Yeah. <laughs> it's very true. Uh, I was telling you earlier, you built like the actual Hogwarts Lego castle. Like it's an epic thing. I can't believe you even built that. Like I, I would have lost bricks. I would have had to get a second set and just 
you're a big fan of Harry Potter. I don't know what else to say. That's one of like the defining things about me. You know, everyone has like their three or four like bullet points about who they are if they had to explain in five seconds. And that just is one of them. Yeah. And Dr. Scarlet here is also a big fan of Harry Potter. I see her Slytherin blanket is right behind her. And also you have developed a therapy uh, of Harry Potter from right? That's correct. I've actually, she actually authored, wrote the book. Yeah, I've authored Harry Potter Therapy, an unauthor- unauthorized self-help book from the restricted section. It is for Harry Potter fans by a Harry Potter fan. And, and it is um, amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and actually, there's a research study that is now under review for publication from India uh, about utilization of Harry Potter therapy to treat uh, depression and boosting self-compassion passion and college age students. Um, oh, you have to send me that when it's done. <laughs> I will. Yeah, nice. I will. I will. Awesome. Thank you so much. And my my goal is to make learning about mental health enjoyable and fun. And the way I see it, I think emotions are the source of our biggest magic. And repressing emo- uh, emotions actually can create an obscurus and nobody wants that. And so I actually think that... Um, really pretty much all of us have this calling for exploring who we really are and whether it's facing the dementors of our depression or the boggarts of our anxiety i think understanding these monsters can actually help to find the root of our magic i love the references that you just <laughs> I, I use those Amazing. references at least weekly or multiple times a week with my clients and multiple of my clients i've have seen the book in my office and just ask me well what is that because I, I have the, the Harry Potter uh, mug in my office. I have a, a different one than this one. And so they know I'm a big nerd. And I start to use these references and say, oh, where do you get those references? Well, they're from this book and the movies and everything else Harry Potter fandom. So kind of steer them that way. Well, it's great. And it's so it's it's wonderful that you, you you're able to. And it's not just with Harry Potter. It's other things that you can make reference to that people can relate to is, you know, from the sources, whether it be pop culture, books, you know, literature, wherever it comes from, it, it, it brings it to that point where you'll get somebody's attention, like the mug, the book and the references in your offices can get somebody's attention that might not have been in, engaged previously. Like oh, I'm here. I don't really want to talk to anybody. It's like, Oh, Where'd you get that mug? Oh, it's a Harry Potter. Uh, do you like Harry Potter? Oh, and that bridges that connection and starts to build that rapport between one another. And people tend to get more comfortable and start opening up. And then you start really having success, you know, and I, I think a lot of people, unfortunately, were not taught to explore or name or understand their emotions. And so because of that, many people who've been through child abuse, for example, the way that Harry Potter has, might have a really difficult time talking about what happened to them and might have even been shamed for talking about their trauma experiences, but might have an easier time sharing what happened to them through a metaphor of fiction and then draw parallels and understanding that they're no different than their favorite hero and um, hopefully able to learn that what happened to them is essentially an origin story. And then it's up to that individual to then choose their own heroic path and become their own version of a hero in real life. 
Oh, throughout that. school, we're taught that the therapeutic relationship is 80% of the success you're going to have in therapy. And if you connect on a particular fandom or they know that they can talk to you about either Harry Potter, Star Wars, Marvel movies, it just bridges that, that divide. Because a lot of people think, oh, I'm going to go see a therapist. It's going to be this super stuffy person that's going to be sitting there with a clipboard analyzing everything I say. You know what? Great reference is Dr. B from Take This. At, yes. the, uh, at the conventions. Uh, Matt knows. he You yes. uh, volunteered up in the uh, AFK rooms. Absolutely. They bring a great resource to live conventions. And Dr. B, he's a large, large person, but... He, he brings this like gauntlet with him that's got his all of his D&D dice in it. And it's one of those things where <laughs> people, he uses that as, you know, building that rapport. And you see him, he's a big geek, just like all of us, you know. And you know, uh, it's a wonderful tool that he uses and utilizes. It's, it really is amazing because um, where, I, where I work uh, currently with, with substance abuse and in, in a rehab setting, I have comic books galore. Gambit's my favorite X-Men. So I have the first appearance of Gambit hung up in my room. And I had this tough, burly um, guy, you know, wanting to leave. I'm done with this place. He walks into my office, sees Gambit. He goes, oh, my God, that's the first appearance of Gambit. And... <laughs> From then on, not only did he stay, but he came into my room at least my office at least once a, once a day before like before I left, and we just geeked out over X Men, and it was his connection to a reality. It was his connection to normalcy that kind of got him through the rehab, and hopefully he's still doing okay. But it's amazing how little things such as such as Harry Potter or other pop culture have such a huge impact on everybody. Exactly. Indeed. We, uh, you know, we see that with our cohorts over at Capes on the Couch where they do comic book references and pop culture and even our own server with us being, you know, kind of based off that we, we were based off of destiny. Um, it's, it, it is that, it's that bridge that, you know, connects people and gets, gets the conversation, get, gets the conversation started. It is. Absolutely. I kind of want to backtrack just a little bit and I would love to hear right about like everybody's when they first got into Harry Potter, like first introduced to it. Some people have been introduced to Harry Potter way back, like before the movies, when the books were coming out very slowly uh, or people were introduced, you know, first time we were, they were exposed to it was going to the movies to see Sorcerer's Stone. Uh, Miss Lupa, when was the first time you really started engaging, like with connecting with Harry Potter? So I started reading the books when the second one came out. Um, it was what, 98, 99, somewhere, somewhere around in there. And uh, I would go see my aunt for a week or two every single summer. And she would always give me new books to read during my, my time that I was there. And she bought me the first and the second one. And I had read them both by the time I was done in the week that I was there. And I had already pre-ordered the third one <laughs> by the time I left. And it just started from randomly. She thought that the book looked good and dropped it on my lap and said, here, read this by the time you go home. And I was hooked immediately with it. So That's awesome. So you must have been really stoked when the movie first came out. Like, <gasps> They actually made it a movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, we, we've we been like midnight movie 
people for every single Harry Potter movie, you know, not fully dressed up, but, you know, repping the gear and, and stuff like that uh, with every single movie and also every single book. I didn't ever do any of the midnight uh, book releases, but I was there like the next morning, right when everything opened up, grabbing my book. Actually, for the seventh book, I was on a climbing trip in Yosemite with two of my friends and I made them drive into the nearest town <laughs> so I could get it the day that it released. <laughs> and then we drove back out into Yosemite so I could read it while we were out there. And they were like, they were like, you can wait the three or four, whatever, how many days until we get home. Like, no, this is the last book. Like, got to get it today. <laughs> I don't understand. What? I need this. Yes, I need it. And then I ignored them for a couple of days. <laughs> <laughs> reading the book. I don't know what I'm more jealous about, you know, getting the books when they were released or the fact that you were on a climbing trip in Yosemite. And I used to be a big hippie climbing. I would I go a, live in Yosemite oh, for a week every single summer with my friend. And yeah. It's like a dream. Oh my God. I was a climbing instructor for Cornell University. Oh, nice. And nice. I used to go climbing everywhere and I never made it to Yosemite. Oh. And just hearing that you went through, it was like, oh, oh my it God. It is like That's my like heart. Becca. My heart races thinking about about Yosemite. We can chat more later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's awesome. No, that's that's really cool. Alan, what was the first time you were dropping a lot of Harry Potter uh, verbiage in the podcast channel earlier today? Oh boy, I can't remember when I started reading them. It was definitely in high school, but I remember waiting that long wait for the last book to come out, and just like when people wait for the the last movie of a trilogy now. That's what it was like waiting for that last book. Like, I was like when are we going to find out what happens? Let's go. Come on. It's, it's, I remember it, it that. And I didn't even buy it myself. A friend of mine was reading it. And I'm like, can I, can I, can I have, please? Can, can I read? <laughs> She's like, wait, when I'm done, you can have it. But I need to know. Uh, yeah, that was probably, I don't know. I don't know when that book came out. But it was definitely in high school I was reading those books. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. Nate, you're not a huge Harry Potter guy, but when were you? When did you first start getting into it? Well, I, you know, I got introduced to the movies when, as they came out, and I, I don't think I have ever seen an entire movie all the way through in one sitting, but I've seen every single movie. Ah, all right. And uh, so I play the uh, I play the mobile app on my phone every day. Um, <laughs> And uh, you know, like, I'll I'll reference something, and my wife will look at me and go, "It's not pronounced that way." Like, I, what is it? Is the, the the buffalo's brain elixirs? And she goes, "It's Perufio or whatever." It, and I'm like, "Whatever." <laughs> wow, maybe we should have your wife sub in real quick. You know, <laughs> yeah, she's watching right now. I bet no, <laughs> no, Matt. When were you uh, first get into Harry Potter? Uh, I don't remember how old I was, but, uh, I know I was still in elementary school. Um, it's so weird how distinctly I remember going to this old bookstore in Brooklyn with my grandmother and it had that, oh, it had that old book smell. Like as soon as you walked in, you just, it just hit you like a ton of bricks. And I read I got in trouble because I stayed up all night and I read the book and my grandmother yelled at me. Um, <laughs> this is so I'm Sorcerer's Stone. And I, I read the whole book so quickly. And then I looked, I looked at my grandmother. I was like, okay, we have to buy the, we have to buy the next one. And my grandmother goes, well, it's, it's not out yet. 
And I start, I guess I was, I was the pioneer for binging, I guess, in a sense, because I wanted the next one right away. Um, and I just fell in love with it all the way through high school until it ended the books. At least it was just amazing. That's awesome. That's awesome. I love the reverence to the book story. I love hearing the origin stories because it's just, you can see just the, the look, you know, that, that little twinkle in somebody's eye, just remembering when they first were, you know, got into something, the first impact that it made. Uh, Dr. Scarlett, when did you first start getting into Harry Potter? Yeah, actually grad school. Um, Coming from an immigrant family, there was a lot of pressure on academic achievement. And so there was no such thing as reading for fun. And so, you know, it was all about taking as many classes as you can and graduating as early as you can. And then, you know, you do your master's and your PhD and like all of that. And it all had to happen very quickly. And so uh, I was doing my dissertation. It was, you know, my last year of graduate school. I was done with everything else. And then um, somebody bought me the full set. This, the last book had just come out and somebody bought me the full set for my birthday. And um, I didn't work on my dissertation for that whole week. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the last chapter of the last book, I waited a month because I didn't want the series to finish. So I, oh, I delayed you stretched waiting. it out. <laughs> I stretched out the last chapter, but I remember one of the books, I, I think it was uh, Half-Blood Prince, where I threw the book against the wall because I was so mad about everything that was going on and about the way Snape was being treated and like learning about what the Marauders were doing to him. And But I remember just being very emotionally involved in the book. That's awesome. I don't think I got that excited about them. <laughs> well, if you start it there right different when times. it's all out, it's normal that you just binge through the entire mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. There were definitely times that I would like, Close the book because I would be too scared reading it because I was I was twelve when it came out so like I grew up with them so in the first couple books when I'm like reading it and I'm like this is scary and I'd close the book and be like I'm not reading it till tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some of the parts I I can't imagine some of the parts I uh, I was exposed to I see people reading it in, back in school and I never read it but the, when the movies first came out. It was every one of them came out around Christmas time. So for like a 10 year stretch, it was like a yearly thing around Christmas to go see the new Harry Potter movie in the theater. And I remember just every time I watch one of the movies, I've read all the books now. So after I I watched the first movie and was exposed and I was in high school when it first came out. And when I saw that, I was like instantly like gripped by it. And it just had this like Christmas day feeling, you know what I mean? Like the lighting and the textures and everything, the whole environment from Harry Potter just was awesome. Like I just absolutely loved it and I wanted to know more about it. So I, I read all the books to, you know, where they ended with the deadly hollows. They weren't out yet for a couple of years then. And now I have all the books, all the little side books and everything, the audio books. I got, I got everything. You were talking about earlier, Daniel Radcliffe is now reading the book on his couch right now because of the quarantine and everything. And it just, all the Harry Potter movies, even the Fantastic Beasts, hold this special like emotional feeling for 
me every time I watch them that it's just like a, a really special thing. And it's just uh, an amazing universe that was created. So I absolutely adore everything to do with it. And like I said earlier, I can't wait for the next one to come out for the Fantastic Beast because I really want to see that wizard battle. But Dr. Goku, when would you first get into uh, Harry Potter? Well, for me, I watched the first movie and second movie uh, late in high school. And I really enjoy them, but I never really got into them. Only when uh, Prisoner of Azkaban came out at, and I was going through a really tough time in college. It was that's a whole nother tangent, but that movie just hit me really hard and went back. This was back in 20, 2005. <laughs> so back in 2005, picked up all the books that were out at that at that time, read through the entire thing, watched throughout the movies, and every time a new movie came out, it was first in line to go see it. Uh so read all the books uh, while I was working a little bit later in a stock room at a hospital. So pretty much I was picking up stock and putting them on a cart and then people would bring up to the floors. I just put on head um, headphones and listened to the audiobook. I love that. So I was listening to the audio book while I was working. That's how I go through and re reread in air quotes reread i love that <laughs> the air books. quotes <laughs> no because some people don't consider audiobooks reading um i do i think listening to audiobooks is they give a good spin on it depending on who re- who reads it right and i mean and for me since i i don't have the the energy to be able to read a book um or like the just my brain cannot focus for that long on reading a book i can't read books anymore from being a major book lover um so audiobooks is how i get to intake all of my books i'm right there with you i have 76 books just in the last year and a half because when i'm at work that's all i do for my day job is i listen to audiobooks all day and if i'm driving to a convention i'm listening to one on mental health or cognitive therapy or this and that just so i can just continue keeping the brain working but audiobooks are just an amazing resource that i I, I love listening to some of the uh, the narrators talk. Like I was talking about with keeping it on the Harry Potter, the new uh, audio book that Jude Law does the narration for, for the uh, the short stories. Uh, Tales of Beetle the Bard. That one. And he does it as Dumbledore and he even reads the the margin notes that Hermione uses in the Deadly Hollows to find the Holcruxes and everything. So it's a great tie-in, but just how he reads it and tells the story about the hopping pot and everything, it just I couldn't have gotten that with my mental images, like mental imagining that from reading it than listening to him read it to me mm-hmm. and have that visual stimulation from it. I really like the Stephen Fry version of the the Harry Potter audiobook. Yeah, but that's not Harry- fair because anything that guy narrates right. is gold. You could read but, me my shampoo bottle and I would I know. <laughs> and audiobooks are not what they used to be because they were they used to be dry and boring as hell. <laughs> yeah, but now yeah. they some of them are super interesting. Oh yeah, absolutely. The, some of them have full casts. So it's really cool uh, listening to uh, 
some audiobooks that just have, you know, five, six different voice actors doing it. Uh, there's one, I'll send you one later that you're actually, you're going to love it and you're going to listen to it like three or four times. <laughs> it's not long, but you're going to love it. It's hilarious. We could geek out literally like right now for like the next like five hours about Harry Potter. We could pick anything and go off about it, but I would love to dive into, uh, save that for a little bit later and dive into now the Harry Potter therapy and a little bit more about that. So I know you gave us a brief, uh, synopsis of it. Uh, Dr. Scarlett, but maybe you could go a little bit deeper into it and give us a little. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Well, um, the the book has nine and three quarters chapters, and each chapter talks about a different mental health skill. Um, so, for example, um, learning not to suppress our magical potential actually talks about how emotional suppression doesn't work. So, again, in Fantastic Beasts, we learn that if we suppress our magical potential, then we're going to develop an obscurus, right? That is this negative parasitic force that can cause an individual to explode. And in, if we're talking about mental health, we know that if we try to suppress grief, we're going to experience depression or panic attacks uh, or anger outbursts. And to me, as a mental health professional, I saw that as a metaphor for mental health. The more we try to suppress some kind of an emotion, the more we get an outburst of a more intense version of that emotion. Uh, this book also talks about the Protego charm of mindfulness and how that can be uh, a way that we can protect ourselves looking for our core values in the mirror of Erised, where by seeing, uh, looking in the mirror of Erised and imagining what we might see there, we might determine what is really important to us. So when Harry looked in the mirror, we knew that family, but not just his biological family, but a sense of belonging was really important. And so um, by being able to examine some of these uh, metaphors and strategies, I'm hoping that folks will be able to understand their own pathways. Uh, in the therapy uh, book, I've also um, asked for a number of submissions where folks can submit their stories about how Harry Potter can help them. And uh, a number of stories have actually made it into the book. And so one of them, for example, uh, is a story from um, an individual who had actually lived in a number of different foster care systems. And for her, Harry Potter fandom became her family. And unfortunately, when she was in a really abusive situation, she was at one point close to ending her life. And then she asked herself, what would Harry Potter do? And just that one question allowed her to remember that she wasn't alone, that Harry Potter had also been through a lot of turmoil and a lot of trauma. And she was able to walk away from this experience. She was able to reach out for help. And actually now she is a very well-known fanfic author, a Harry Potter fanfic author and travels to conventions. Oh, awesome. And um, so the, the idea is, is that all of us have felt alone at one point or another. And I actually think that in that aloneness, we actually find that sense of connection. And I think that's something that Harry experienced a lot. And that's something that many of us experience too. There, right. there are so many good examples within Harry Potter to illustrate so many powerful elements. Um, I use the obscurus and obscurial uh, example all the time. Yep. I use the Dementor example yep. all the time with yeah. my clients. Yeah, in the book, I actually talk about how, uh, you know, the, 
avoiding dementors doesn't work. And uh, in order to illustrate that, I've created a pink dementor exercise. So I ask people to imagine a pink dementor because it's a little bit less intimidating than imagining the actual dementor. <laughs> and then I ask people to erase the pink dementor from their mind and hmm. uh, just do not think of the words pink or dementor at all for like 20 seconds. And of course, it's a play on the the old pink elephant. <laughs> yes, or white jeep, or yellow jeep, or white bear. Um, and so these are all mental health exercises that actually demonstrate that if we try to suppress something, it becomes even more pronounced. But the opposite happens if we purposely focus on it. So if we focus on the pink dementor, eventually that image kind of fades away. So there's so many amazing dementor, uh, uh, amazing examples, including the dementors and boggarts, and uh, that can be so well tied into mental health. But I honestly think that the most powerful one is showing that love is the most powerful source of magic. And one one thing I, I liked about the book and, and within the fandom is love not necessarily just for for others, but also for yourself. Yes. Yes. Exactly. To know that you have worth. Yes, exactly. Being able to accept yourself, knowing mm-hmm. that it's not the family you were born into. It's not what happened to you. It's your choices that make you who you are. One thing I, I liked within uh, the, the books and the movies is you, you see Harry at first as this person that everyone knows that had stopped Lord Voldemort, so the boy who lived. But then you meet him in the cupboard on the, the stairs, completely different. And that interaction with, uh, with Hagrid later on uh, in terms of if he would have been brought up within the magical community, what would have happened? It would have been a completely different Harry. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I would imagine that he would be almost like – I almost imagine that he would be kind of arrogant if he brought it. Almost like Draco. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like in, not not necessarily that his family was like super well off or anything, but I just feel like he would be a celebrity. Yeah. Be a celebrity. So he'd be either super arrogant about it, or he would just be like any other child celebrity that (laughs) goes off the rails kind of thing. And then Voldemort still would have probably taken over the world. then. That's interesting because when the sword when he gets the sorting hat, it tells him he could be either Slytherin or Gryffindor. Yeah, yeah. I never thought and, about that. And again, it comes back to and he tells um, Albus, so his son Albus later on, because uh, he was concerned of oh, what if the sorting hat places me into Slytherin? And he says that the sorting hat takes your a uh, choice into consideration, meaning mm-hmm. you have a choice. Mm-hmm. It, doesn't, it doesn't mean that the house that you get sorted in defines who you are. You get to define who you are despite those things. There are heroes in every house, as we know. Mm-hmm. And also for anyone who's read or seen the play The Cursed Child, we learn a lot about Slytherin too, yeah. which, you know, that's my house and I will defend it till the day I die uh, <laughs> because just because someone's in Slytherin doesn't mean that they're a bad person. It means that they're ambitious and driven. Um, 
exactly. And um, I, I think Cursed Child actually does a really good job of showing that and showing what happens to Albus Potter and uh, and what happens to Scorpius uh, in Slytherin and, and what that can look like. And it's not the house that we're in. It is our choices that make us who we are. That play was so good, by the way. <laughs> so good. I cried. Well, if you so look good. at it, um, if you look back in the um, – the, the earlier days, James and uh, Sirius were in Gryffindor, but they were bullies. Mm-hmm. All four of them mm. were, really. But, yeah. but James and Sirius were certainly the, the worst of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So it doesn't, you think, because when you read the books, oh, Gryffindor is this noble house, but the house doesn't mean much. Exactly. At the end of the day, it's how you want to portray you. Well, we also know that uh, was, I believe his name was Regulus Black was in Slytherin, right? And then uh, actually was one of the few people that turned his back on Voldemort on purpose. I feel yeah, like everybody so. can be like can encompass every house depending mm-hmm. on your mood and your day. And like, you hear how house hybrids all the time and mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And like 100% Griffin claw right here. Uh, and uh, <laughs> what was it? I am unabashedly Slytherin. All Slytherin, <laughs> all Slytherin all day. Um, but even, yeah, there's certain parts that are like intriguing about every single house and depending on your mood and, and what you're going through, I feel like, you can really look at it and be like, okay, what would somebody in this house do in this situation? And kind of use that as a way to figure out how you react to a situation. So would you be more determined and be more Slytherin? Would you be uh, more kind and caring in that situation and be more Hufflepuff? Would you do more research and be intrigued and stuff like that with right? Like so on and so forth. So um it's that's something that I've obviously used many times before and just like, how would I handle this situation if I was this person and in this situation here? One thing I, I say to a lot of my clients is yes, you may have certain mental health challenges or a mental health uh, disorder, but that doesn't define who you are. It presents a challenge in your life, but it doesn't mean that it defines who you are and what you're going to be able to do or what you're not going to be able to do. Because oftentimes people see these boxes as limitations for their lives. Just because they grew up in a certain part of town or they come from a certain family or a certain ethnicity, they kind of have that idea that, well, my path is set. And one thing I like with Harry Potter is for nine, for 11 years, well, almost 11 years, Harry had a path he believed he would go down. And in a blink of an eye, everything changed. Mm-hmm. And he was greeted with that choice, his ability to make his own destiny and carve his own path. Well, and all throughout Hogwarts. There were so many choices that he made. He made a choice to choose Ron's friendship over Draco's on the very Mm -hmm. first day before the sorting ceremony even took place. That was a Mm -hmm. choice that he made. 
He made a choice to insist that the hat does not put him in Slytherin. He made a choice to um, put his uh, status of being a student at Hogwarts and also his life in danger on multiple occasions to make sure that uh, bad things didn't happen at the school. Well, even when he found out the um, the prophecy, like he could have very easily just been like, oh, well, I'm, you know, uh, this represents me and, and, and my fate's already been determined. But instead of just giving in and realizing that at Hogwarts was going to battle Voldemort, he makes the choice to leave with his friends and end up joining him. But he tries so hard to um, kind of carve his own path, even though there was a thing sitting in glass saying that his fate was already determined. Exactly. And that's why I brought it. <laughs> choice. <laughs> and that was a choice you made. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Full circle. <laughs> Choices <laughs> are things that keep us going. But the... I, I just loved the the Harry Potter book, well, the therapy book. And m- again, my clients love it because they get to take some of the concepts that I teach and kind of spin them around in a different way. Because what you talk about in the, the, the manual is all evidence-based practices just with that spin of Harry Potter fandom. Thank you. And that can be applied into any fandom really if you can just find the example right thank you i really appreciate that it is so amazing as everybody is kind of just kind of talking in bits and pieces every single aspect of harry potter is flooding back to my mind but what i think is interesting and especially in a therapeutic sense is i'm going back to my childhood and uh mrs dr lupo you said it before you grew up with these characters and i feel the exact same way it, it was the, the challenges, it was the struggles, it was the social structure of Hogwarts mimicked, and it was supposed to mimic that of, of, of a high school. And as I was growing up and living through high school, it, it was almost as I followed them. And it, it helped in a lot of different scenarios, but it also showed, I, I think, too, no matter how big the problem is, you can always beat it. You, the, it was always this, I don't know, like you got the typical incredibly low points where everything was hopeless, but then either a choice was made or somebody took a different approach or an action and the whole thing was better. And it's just so amazing. I'm having my own moment right now, but we'll talk about that later or I'll talk about that later with my own therapist. But (laughs) it's 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 so it really is. It's so amazing how powerful all of this stuff is because I'm I'm flashing back to my childhood. I'm the same age as Harry. Like so when the first book dropped, I was 11 and I was too cool to read. So I actually didn't read any of them till I was an adult, but I teach middle school. So it's kind of helped me to keep in touch with that part of myself to remind me that, you know, middle school sucks. Um, it's really hard and, and keeps me kind of focused on all the things I need to work on with my students, that they are figuring out who they are and um, where they belong in this world, just like Harry did throughout uh, his tenure there. And I'm hoping none of my students have to go through a battle at Hogwarts, but 
I'm hoping that I can prepare them like, you know, Dumbledore did for Harry and Snape in his own way. Well, I think in a lot of ways, we're kind of going through that battle of Hogwarts right now. There's a universal pandemic going on. And I think that this is our own version of the Death Eaters going on. And, you know, the Seven billion of us now, seven billion of us magical people are now standing together and fighting this one monster. We all have a role to play. You know, we all have uh, a way that we need to support one another and, and be present at this time for each other in different ways. And, you know, and that's the only way that we're going to win. Of course, they're going to be casualties, just like during the Battle of Hogwarts. But, you know, when when we all work together, then we can defeat this monster, too. Love that. You're absolutely right. That's that's how it, we're going to be able to pull through. This is working together, just like everything. You know, working together, we will get through this. And I love that reference that you put right there. It's God, I love this so much. This is just awesome. <laughs> <laughs> we are Dumbledore's army right now. Basically, yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, now, does everybody have like a favorite house that they like? Or is everybody done? The I see Dr. Scarlet um, is pointing oh, to the back. <laughs> Gryffindor. Oh, hold Gryffindor on. for me as well. Um, I'm with Alan. I'm a Ravenclaw myself. <laughs> How we ever got married, I don't know. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Opposites he- attract. You know. Right. That's That's opposite for us, though. My husband and I are both Gryffindor. And oh. my uh, my Patronus is a Nebulon cat, and his oh. is a Jack Russell Terrier. So we're opposite on that, but definitely did, hardcore Gryffindor, both of us. <laughs> did you guys do? Did everybody do like the uh, the online sorting hat with the Harry Potter? Mm-hmm. Oh, what is the Pottermore? Pottermore. Pottermore. Yep, I did that one, and then I did the full one. I don't know if you've seen that one before, where you can see your percentages, and they ask you mm. every question because the Pottermore quiz that you get a variety of questions that right. will lead you one way or the other, depending on how you answer. Um, but the, the full quiz gives you every question that is possible. And then you can see your percentages change as you answer all of them and still hardcore. Gryffindor. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was very nervous that it was going to be something else. <laughs> no, I did the, I did the mixed house one and I was 92% Slytherin and 8% Puffle. Oh. <laughs> Good combo. Right? Like, You'd be a slither puff. <laughs> I can see the Hufflepuff. I can see the Hufflepuff, yeah. He's really ambitious, but nice when he does it. Right. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> I I got Gryffindor. My wife and I did Pottermore, and I, I was picked for Gryffindor, and my wife uh, is actually Hufflepuff, which... And our 11-year-old daughter is Slytherin. So ever since we did that, our, our 11-year-old like has really got it into Harry Potter. Before, she was very kind of, uh, you know, I like I like the one with the dragons, whichever one that is. And she was very nonchalant about it. And ever since we did the Pottermore, she's more engaged with everything Harry Potter because she's very excited about the Slytherin house. Can't wait to share that with my son. Like he, Mm -hmm. so he's four and a half. So obviously way too young to really Mm -hmm. know know what anything is about. He just likes that there's wands and he only knows when guardian Leviosa. So he walks around and just like does that on everything. 
we have the Cano coating wand. Um, so he does does that kind of stuff, and he likes pygmy puffs. And then he's like, I don't like anything else, Harry Potter, Mom. And <laughs> so <laughs> I, I ultimately I have the the illustrated versions. I don't want to start reading them though until I think that he can actually understand and embrace it. Maybe that's like seven, eight years old or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then he can slowly grow up with them with uh, the different books. But I just like, I really hope that he likes it. <laughs> I don't want to force it on him. <laughs> uh, but I really hope that, that he likes it. Uh, Cause it definitely is something that obviously is so near and dear to my heart. And he like Star Wars, like Daddy does. <laughs> so like, <laughs> he, he like Harry Potter, like me. <laughs> I think he'll get there. Yeah, I honestly hopefully. do. Yeah, oh, yeah. It, for me, it's, it's a, Star it's a Wars. It's thing. flashy and cool at yeah. a younger age. And spaceships, like I can't. Yeah, spaceships, spaceships <laughs> lightsabers. Come on, yeah, you can't beat that. <laughs> Blowing up Death Stars. Yeah, yeah multiple ones. You know. <laughs> But when they get older, because my son's two and a half, and I can't wait to, to show him Harry Potter and Star Wars. Um, but I, I, I'm still debating on, well, I still have some time to figure it out, if I'm just going to read him the, the standard editions, or if we could go the uh, illustrated enhanced editions on, on tablets. Because mm-hmm. the, the, the moving, uh, uh, the animated uh, parts, and you can kind of see some of the things that they talk about. I'm still going. Yeah, hey, which one am I going to am I going to choose? So, so the tablet version, there's actually like animation to the pages. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Every page, really like, is there cool. animation for when you flip a page? Not every yeah, page. So, so it's through iPad. It's through the the iBooks, so uh-huh. the, the Apple books, and every time you go over the page, the page will kind of turn type of thing. And uh, when they come to a part with a golden snitch, so you'll have a the snitch and it'll kind of float around the screen a little bit. That's that cool. So cool. Ooh. That is cool. Okay. <laughs> She's sold. Everyone had <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm like, okay. Yeah, I think it's you wrote it down too, too expensive. Didn't you? Yeah. Well, now I need an eye device too. Shoot. Yeah. Coming an expensive podcast. <laughs> I'll probably start with all the regular books. Cause I still have, I think the first six. In in paperback somewhere in my house, I'll probably start. I like the idea of teaching them just a book, not just a tablet that that is technology, but an actual physical book. Mm. (laughs) And not making it like a big show because the story itself should be able to be the thing that pulls Mm. them in, Mm. not not like. And and let them use his imagination to figure out what it That's is why i like the illustrated versions because there's not pictures on every page it's like what every four or five pages there's a little picture of like a scene or something like that that you can kind of uh use with kids to maybe maybe they're not thinking big enough and then they see mm-hmm. that picture and then they're like oh wait like this is way more intense than i thought it was and it can kind of help with their imagination too um there's so- one thing for for me that i t- think it took away from the immersion is I read the books after I, I saw the first three or four movies. So you saw so Daniel me, Radcliffe in your head the whole time. It, it was Daniel Radcliffe, and it that that was my scene. So Hogwarts was in the movies. So I, I had that picture in my mind. I couldn't let my imagination go and figure it out. 
I always hate that when you watch a movie and it doesn't match up with your own image of that character. It drives me crazy every time that happens. I was the one guy who, um, for a long time, boycotted the movies. Uh, I was that guy that was like, no, the books are better. The books are better. I'm not doing it. Uh, I still do it with The Walking <laughs> Dead, but that's a different story. Um, and it was it was because I knew, and rightfully so, the movie couldn't, for me, the little parts, the little scenes, the little um, bits of story in the book that I loved so much, I knew it was not going to be there. So in a way, I was protecting myself. I did cave and eventually watch the movies. Um but it, it 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 is it is nice to be able to have that active imagination and yeah my my vision of uh, of Harry was totally different than Daniel Radcliffe, um, but that's fine. Realistically, it's just it, having that initial time to bolster your own imagination and use your own thinking is critical. I think in in some cases, because to me the movies are the abridged version of the books. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. it's impossible to make a carbon copy of the books into a movie. Although the first three films got pretty close. Yeah. And it kind of kinda mm-hmm. went those, downhill those after Goblet. Up. They would have dragged on because those books got pretty long. Yeah. Well, and mm-hmm. after the, was it after the third movie that they switched directors? Yes. Yep. Yes. Yeah, that's when they switched. So. And- I, I've always wanted a TV show because I think they would have more ability to go into more details if, mm-hmm. you know, they went chapter by chapter and included all the details and tried to stay as close as possible. Uh, that would be really interesting. Come on, CW, get on it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that or even Netflix. Yes. Yeah. Oh. So for that Netflix. Too much on Netflix. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> s- side tangent, uh, Netflix is making a live action avatar, the last, last airbender. Yes, they are. Yeah. Re- re- recreation is like, Oh, I'm, I'm so in. They're also going to be shooting a cartoon on, I think it's May 15th. They're going to have the cartoon on Netflix. Yeah. It, if it is not M night Shyamalan, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. See, after Burn. he ruined it, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I'm a little apprehensive because last airbender was so good that mm. I don't know. I don't know. I'm traumatized now. I mean, I shouldn't use that word. I'm not traumatized, but I'm nervous um, about. But the fact that the creators are on it, are on board on with the show, and they're consulting on it, gives me hope. The full nerve-wracking thing, though, when like something that you love so much is getting adapted into a movie or a TV show or something like that. Like I've been waiting for another side tangent: Cowboy Bebop. Yes. Oh, oh my God. Yes. For years and years and years, but Keanu Reeves is not <laughs> going to be in it, and now I don't want to see it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still very excited for that. Um, I'll watch it, but I, the whole entire time I'm going to be like, it's "Not Keanu, not Keanu, guys." <laughs> <laughs> the fact that it already got picked up for season two, like, or unless that's still a rumor, but I am so excited. That was my. Side tangent. I'm sorry. That was my first anime that I ever watched. Same. <laughs> and it was fantastic. <laughs> so I'm very excited to see what they do as far as like a live, a live version of it goes. See, your guys' first anime was Cowboy Bebop. Mm-hmm. Mine was Dragon Ball Z, and the movie was horrendous. 
Oh God! So there, I, I, I blocked that out. I, as I, much as I wanted to be to successful, it's like um, you have no idea what they. I did. remember Zoids. Oh God, that was Zoids? so bad. Zoids. I don't remember. Come on! And... Oh yes. Nope. I have no idea. Oh man, I'm the old man of the group, am I? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh the Dragon yeah. Ball movie was so bad. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's gonna haunt your dreams tonight. I know it will. Yes, you just. Um, oh God. <laughs> No, but uh, but the fact that they're adapting things for different mediums, I think is a good thing as long as they do it justice, mm-hmm. just because it brings in more audience. So Harry Potter is so mainstream with the movies, but if they can do like you mentioned, Janina, that that TV show where they can go chapter by chapter, almost like what you're doing on your podcast, small little plug and segue there, giving more information. And I think it would really hook people in. You wouldn't even have to do a chapter by chapter for the for the movies and books they've already done. Because there's so much lore after Deathly Hollows mm-hmm. About Harry, Harry mm-hmm. and Ron being um Auras. And how Ron, you know, the story how Ron stopped being an aura eventually, you know, and Harry continues on and there's so much lore in that they could literally adapt that TV series. I'm mm-hmm. going to say game of Thrones style mm-hmm. into that timeline right there. And that goes all the way up to the cursed child. Right. You know so you're I mean? basically saying end of seven, all the way up to cursed child. So exactly. Yeah. 19 yeah. years. Yeah. Huge time frame. Yep. And I no, still no. want to see something about Elrimony. Like, it'd yeah. be great if there was a full TV show based on El Ramone and we can learn more about, you know, American School of Magic and what mm. that's like. And I, <laughs> yeah, I want to see Queenie's life and her going to school. <laughs> yeah. It's the expanded universe. Yes. Oh, I'm so freaked Almost out like about s- Queenie now. <laughs> I have. Almost like what they did with Star Wars with <laughs> what, what is now Legends. Yeah. Mm. So it was just expanding everything. And. I know Disney just is pushing everything Star Wars now, mm-hmm. but there's so many good adaptations. Uh, Clone Wars just finished. Yes. And it so was good. so good. So yes. good. So it just <laughs> finished up and just tied into episode, the end of episodes three and then toppled over into Star Wars Rebels. Which, you know, I, I know that some people disagree and that's fine. That's why we are, all fans and we can disagree with one another but for me Rebels is my favorite Star Wars thing ever. I like it Rebels better. Rebels was amazing. Movies. Thank you. I like it better than the movies and I'm not ashamed to say it. I, the movies wow. were great but I love Rebels. I just think it's so well done. The character development, the story arc, it's amazing and it actually I think shows the core of what that war was about and what the rebellion stood for and then goes right into Rogue One which shows everything that the rebels sacrificed which is one of my favorite Star Wars movies. Amazing. And again to continue on that tangent, uh, Star Wars uh, Fallen Order, the, the video game that came out uh, in November is so good and I think they announced that they're doing multiple sequels for the game. I just downloaded it yesterday. I cannot wait to play it. It is amazing. 
Star Wars is everywhere. I mean, Star Wars is in Fortnite. Like, is it really? Every, yes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. JJ yeah. Abrams got to call Ben, and I was so jealous. <laughs> uh, but he did like <laughs> a whole. Yeah, yeah. He did a whole event, uh, in-game event in Fortnite, and they had lightsabers, and mm-hmm. um, and you were able to dress up as the skins of the different characters, and it was. I remember that. That's neat. Crossover. It wasn't too long ago. Um, I think it's still on, actually, because they did it for May the 4th, if I I remember Yeah, yeah. They're retiring the whole series soon. Um, Yeah. But uh, was it maybe in the fall that they did everything? What what was Ben's skin? Who did he pick to dress up as? Oh, he's he has owns every single one. Basically. I don't remember, <laughs> but you're able to pick your your lightsaber to vote for something in the game. Um, and I can't remember huh. what color that he picked, but uh, yeah, he was one purple. Purple is what I would pick. Right, me too. Yeah, I'm a, maze I'm window. A How yeah. come Fortnite hasn't Fortnite adapted yeah. anything Harry Potter yet? Yeah, unfortunately, the stream lagged out on his. I think I followed Tim's version uh, view of it, but yeah, I think he he went purple. It's, it's yeah. just amazing. Like I'm, I've been trying to convince the white people to start following the Clone Wars and Rebels, but they're animated and just they are amazing. So, so good. good, so good, so good. The licensing though for Harry Potter is so difficult to um, mm. to get yeah. and to use. So we have a friend of ours on Twitch that he was wanting once all the quarantine and everything started, he was wanting to read the Harry Potter books. Um, and he has an amazing voice and does, um, he does a lot of the G- GTA RPG. Um, so he can switch voices really, really well. And he emailed them and was like, Hey, have this idea. I don't want anything from you other than just don't like sue me. <laughs> right? <laughs> can, can I read it? And they, they denied it because it wasn't an educational situation. So it's super hard to get licensing mm. rights for Harry Potter stuff, um, mm. which is surprising because it's literally like saturated everywhere. Yeah. But <laughs> for smaller things like that, I don't know, maybe, maybe Fortnite just hasn't gone that direction yet, but they totally should. <laughs> And there hasn't been a Harry Potter video game in a while. Because I know Lego came out with some not too long ago. (laughs) But there was the the original games Mm -hmm. uh, back on PC that were really good. And then there was a Wii version that was actually pretty cool. Because you were able to use the the Wiimote and kind of cast spells using the Wiimote. Now there's uh, like Mystery of Hogwarts. Mm-hmm. There's I two believe. phone games. Yeah. Um, one's basically Pokemon Go, but Harry Potter skinned. Mm-hmm. Then there's mm-hmm. the Mystery of Hogwarts. And then there's the Cano Coding Wand, um, where you can actually code, like learn how to code on the computer and make spells and stuff like that. So that's awesome. I really want a full fledged Harry Potter RPG. There, if am I going crazy? Wasn't there a leak or wasn't there something? They're talking about doing like an MMO, yeah, um, RPG type style uh, of it. Um, it's kind of gone silent for a while. Uh, but like the cool thing though is that everybody is taking inspiration from that and making their own thing, which is which is neat because everyone looks at it and they're like, oh, that's like Harry Potter, and it ties you back in because Stardew Valley, the people that make Stardew Valley, uh, Chucklefish. They mm. are doing a magical version um, that mimics Harry Potter as well. So 
I'm then, super excited for that. <laughs> me too. <laughs> Everything Stardew Valley I'm I'm excited for. When I was out in Boston for PAX East, I went to a uh, uh, a Twitch uh, dev event and one of the people from stardew valley was there doing a presentation of an integration they're doing with twitch where the chat gets to like vote on the weather patterns Mm. and everything in the game and the incorporations and integrations that they're doing with the game and the coding and everything made my eyes cross but it's just so cool and i love that game so much so hearing that they're adapting something like that into oh. stardew valley i'm psyched look on chucklefish's twitter set sometime because it's so good like all the pictures and screenshots that they're sharing from it looks amazing but even like the sims the sims just came out of mm-hmm. uh, with realm of magic recently and it was very hinted at harry potter and stuff too so but i think this i think it was was it ea that had the rights or was it yes. just wb EA had had it for a little bit, and then I because I know the, the original two PC games. I know they they were more like a two a three D platformer. Mm-hmm. Were amazing for what they were, and then they kind of switched styles and went kind of super realistic. But the fact that you could explore Hogwarts and yeah. Not the Hogwarts in the movies, but the Hogwarts in the books, where you would get um, get surprised by Peeves. Hmm. I, I'm just so sad they didn't put Peeves in in the movie. I really, yeah, I really <laughs> wish they would have done more with the the ghosts and stuff like that because hmm. it was that was some of my favorite stuff. And they actually and, and filmed a little, a few scenes with Peeves, but then cut them out, didn't they? Really. I think oh, so. That, that's but upsetting. I think it would have been hard to kind of do the recurrence. And that's why when you mentioned having a TV show would be able to flesh it out more. So you're yeah. taking a two hour movie and then maybe doing 25 like 13 one hour episodes. Yeah. So you're doing like two hours to 13. So you can do a lot more. Watch. You'll see this fall. It announced for 2022 <laughs> Harry Potter. The show is coming out on HBO or and its we, own network. We'll come back to this podcast and we'll all say Dr. Goku called it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and here first, brothers, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Warner Brothers is partnering up with HBO. So I wouldn't be okay. surprised really? there will be something. Well, they need Harry something to, to push HBO Max. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just Another really excited streaming service I'm going to have to pay for. I know. Yeah. Same here. And then, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'll pre-order it. But uh, <laughs> I did with Disney Plus, too. I was one of the ones that was like, as soon as it was available, I was just like, check that box. Yep. I, <laughs> yep, my yep, daughter. Yep. I I say my Disney Plus is for my daughters and this and that. And really, it's like I'm a huge Pixar fan. I don't care. I will tell anybody I love all the Pixar movies, but all the Star Wars, Marvel, everything was literally just seeing what is available on Disney Plus is just just staggering. There are some cartoons there that I haven't seen in forever that I'm so happy about. <laughs> the Brave Little Darkwing Toaster. Duck. I mean, come on. That was my jam, Brave Little Toaster. That was the only right? movie at my grandma's house when I was younger. So like, I don't even know how many times I've seen it. It's a uh, terrifying loving... movie though, when you watch it as an adult and then you're like, <laughs> you probably shouldn't see this when you're a little kid. 
I'm loving Disney Plus because my... I was your age, 20 minutes into it. We're going to put something else on. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> we, we started watching it with my son. And as we were watching, my husband looks at me and I was like, you want to go play? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Grab your wand. Let's go. I don't, I don't I'm loving Disney like Plus because my son is in love with... He, he has um, little cars from Cars. And he loves them. It's like, oh, let's put on Cars the movie and let's watch it together. And he just, his eyes just goes, <gasps> it this and on the screen. And oh. now he knows all the names and he's two and That's a half. Adorable. <laughs> so adorable. We've, we've watched so many Pixar movies that when uh, the, the, the opening sequence, our daughter will literally go, <laughs> lamp. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's yeah. adorable. And your daughter is adorable. Oh. I love it when she comes in and says hi before bed. <laughs> She's so cute. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> but I'm really good at getting us sidetracked and off, you know, derailing us. Uh, but no, it would be great seeing when, if Warner Brothers, you know, when they team up with HBO, that something would transpire from that. Uh, we would bring in a whole a new of, audience. Oh, it would. We follow just for the movies, like Fantastic Fantastic Beast Three was supposed to start filming uh principal photography this spring and it got pushed back because of everything. And I'm like, no. <laughs> as much as you know, I, I want him to go forward with it and like, you know, everybody should, you know, you know, this is Harry Potter. You need to go record this. I understand and, you know, take, you know, as much time as you need and, you know, I wish everybody would be healthy, but just the fact that they're working on putting the third movie together because the, the second fantastic beast movie left with such a cliffhanger. And it was just like, now Dumbledore's bracelet, you know, the thing is locked, the promise is gone and now he can go after, you know, join, join the battle and everything. And it's like, this, if you looked into the history of Harry Potter prior to Harry Potter, the Dumbledore fight is like with, uh, I'm going to butcher his name. Grindelwald? How do, you, how do you pronounce it? Grindelwald? Grindelwald. I always say Grendel, but it, 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 I always mistake in it with uh, Beowulf. The monster mm-hmm. from Beowulf. Yeah. Grendel. Grendel. I always do that. I'll edit that out. You'll never know. <laughs> the magic but, uh, of editing. Yes. I'm, I am tricky with the editing. Um, but no, it it's just one of the best battles that before Harry Potter and Voldemort fought. That I just want to see that so bad. And I said it earlier, I really hope it doesn't go five, five movies long for the Fantastic Beasts. But if it does, I'm going to watch every single one. I'm just going to be like, biting my nails off going, when is this fight going to happen? But uh, I love every minute, but it's just, I love everything about Harry Potter's, the Harry Potter movies were great. And it has this wonderful feeling to it. Like it, it feels like Christmas or at least that season to me, every time I watch them, it, it, it's got a warm feeling no matter what's going on. It's just watching those and, you know, reliving, watching it for the first time in the theater was around Christmas every single time that even fantastic beast has painted even more 
of a picture, you know, with this universe. Oh, and there's the baby. <laughs> she had to go. Look at her. She's so cute. <laughs> we have our own Charlie. <laughs> yeah. Who needs a Charlie? <laughs> right. Hi, baby. That's my Charlotte. Hi. So cute. She goes to mommy. And she got shy. <laughs> and the, the little PJs. I absolutely love it. No. Thank you, Nate, for bringing her. Sorry. It happens. You know what? It's not a recording if if she doesn't make an appearance and say hi. Exactly. But we could actually, I, I know we could go on and uh, continue talking about Harry Potter and all sorts of fandom. But uh, let's start uh, wrapping it up. And uh, before we do, uh, Dr. Scarlett, you want to? Tell us a little bit about Harry Potter Therapy Podcast and sure. what you talk about on there and where people can find that. Thank you. Thank you so much for asking that. So my partner and I have uh, two podcasts, and one of them is Harry Potter Therapy, where we go chapter by chapter by looking at the mental health and psychology lessons that we can find in each chapter of the Harry Potter books. We're almost done with the Chamber of Secrets currently. And then we also have another podcast, Superhero Therapy, and we recently had Chris Rankin on our podcast, who plays Percy Weasley in the Harry Potter <laughs> series, um, talking about how we can face the pandemic as if we were at Hogwarts. So how can we uh, kind of find the magic even during these really difficult times? So that uh, the Chris Rankin episode is available on the Superhero Therapy Podcast. And then Harry Potter Therapy Podcast is, um, again, as I mentioned, chapter by chapter, psychological analysis of the book series. That is amazing. Thank you. Amazing. And where can people find it? Uh, pretty much anywhere you would download podcasts. So whether it's um, iTunes or uh, Stitcher, Pandora, pretty much anywhere where you would listen to a podcast. Awesome. So it's everywhere. Wherever your favorite podcast app is, you can grab that. And I suggest grabbing it and listening. It is amazing. <laughs> yeah. And Dr. Goku, you actually uh, you actually took the superhero theory or superhero therapy class with Dr. Scarlett, yeah. right? I, I did that last year and it was amazing. And I was actually using certain elements of it, just not in the condensed form that you had uh, taught prior to. And now it's it's kind of become my niche. <laughs> he loves name dropping it. Any, any <laughs> opportunity he gets to utilize it, he loves to. We'll be playing a video game. We'll be playing Destiny and something. And he'll be like, you know what this reminds me of? And then he'll go into it. No. Yeah. I'm, I'm just that much of a nerd. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> well, uh, where can people find more, uh, more things about you and uh, things you're up to and keep up to date? Uh, are you asking me? Yes. Uh, so uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Shadow Quill or I'm on Instagram, uh, Dr. Janina Scarlet Official. Uh, my website is superhero-therapy.com. Awesome. Awesome. And thank you so much for, for coming on with us tonight and chatting about, you know, Harry Potter therapy and giving us a little peek inside of it. Uh, we actually will be dropping a link in the show notes and everything where people can get, pick up a copy of the book and everything. I'm going to try and get mine signed somehow. We'll see how if we can work that out. We're gonna, I would we're love gonna that. Do something. Thank you. <laughs> she's, she's not too far away from me. Oh, really? 
That, well, we'll have to arrange that. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Yeah, no Thank problem. you so much for joining. It's always a pleasure to have you on. Thank you. It is. It's a blast every single time. Uh, Miss Lupo, thank you so much for coming on with us and chatting. I mean, it's such an honor and so cool having you on and finally getting to say hi. And uh, <laughs> I feel weird calling you Miss Lupo. I just want to call you Sam every time. You can. But okay, least, cool. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Call me when you need to. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, where can people find you know more stuff uh, with you? Keep up to date and uh, your streams. And are you going to be building anything awesome Lego in the future? I have four, three or four sets that I still need to build, plus all the ones that are coming out this summer. So I'll be doing a lot of Lego building. Uh, but you can find me on Twitch, Twitter, and Instagram at Mrs. Doctor Lupo. That's awesome. Very nice. Are you going to Are you going to be streaming any of the builds? Oh yeah, I. I don't think I've built any of them off stream. I think they've all been built on stream, including the Hogwarts Castle. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, the shameless plug. I have a really lame YouTube channel that has like barely any. <laughs> there is plug. a time lapse. There is a time lapse of me building the Harry Potter Lego castle. Um, it took me 36 and a half hours uh, oh, over streams and everything. So obviously like streams, you're building and talking and building and talking. Right. Um, so it could have been way less, but yeah, 36 and a half hours over maybe like That's four a long or five streams yeah. um, that I, that I did it. So I would like carry it out to my dining room table and then carry it back into my, <laughs> into my office and bring it back out and, and never dropped it. Not a piece lost. We're all good. I got wood. Yeah. Exactly. Gotta get some furniture dollies. Yeah. Mm. Ooh, That's awesome. not a bad idea. What was that idea? <laughs> Get some furniture dollies, build it, put a piece of plywood down, then you can just roll it back and forth. You don't have to worry about picking it up. Oh yeah. Ooh, well, it's like not a... too big, honestly. Like it's it splits. It can easily split into two. And oh. it just it's very high up on a shelf though, so I have to stand on a step ladder to get it down. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I, I just recently got into watching Lego build, builds and when I'm doing stuff on the computer, working on stuff. I love having like a stream playing in the background and Lego builds have been like my go-to lately, if not like an art stream. Like I love watching young con because it's just such a very positive and chill atmosphere. So watching actually Jay Muse actually does Lego builds quite mm -hmm. often and his are, I don't know where he gets these Lego kits, but these things are absolutely insane. And one night he showed me like this entire village that he built and it's thrown. His office looks like a bomb hit it and he's got pieces of it all over the place, but he's got like an entire city block they put together and like nice. the ATMs even work. Oh, like yeah. you can put a coin in or something, a card in and money will come out. Nice. It's I'm assuming because of Destiny community, you know who Brick and Nick is then. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, I did. You can see in the camera, there's his uh, Brickmasters trophy from last season that I participated in. Um, but he like anytime there's anything Lego, I instantly am like, Nick, oh my gosh, let's talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Nick also built the, uh, the Lego sign at uh, Guardian Con. Mm -hmm. year, yep, correct? he does them for yep. Twitch as well. Uh, one of his ones from TwitchCon is hanging up in the Twitch headquarters in San Francisco. That's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you both so much for coming on, Chan, with us. I, I hope in the future uh, you both 
you're welcome anytime. You'll come back on, you know, in the future with us, I hope. And uh, maybe like the next Harry Potter movie. We can plan for something special event and we can get a little bit of hype on that. But thank you so much again. And thank you everybody for uh, tuning in for our live stream and hanging out with us tonight. It's been a blast and we'll catch you next time. Have a nice night, everybody. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.